The second reading is Genesis 37, verses 12 to 14 and 17 to 28. Listen to the word of the Lord. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from a distance, and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the long robe with sleeves that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed, they drew Joseph up, lifting him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Langston Hughes wrote, Hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. That sentiment may seem, on first hearing, naive, meant for times of life when things are going well, but how do you hold fast to dreams when you end up in the pit, like Joseph? That's where dreams are truly tested, and that is where they are needed most. While Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical rendition of the story of Joseph gets so many things right, I don't think the idea that any dream will do quite hits the mark. When you are in the pit, it's not just any dream that will do. There, only God's dream can see you through. We are approaching the end of the book of Genesis, and we have borne witness this whole summer to the story of Abraham and, and Sarah and Isaac and, and Ishmael and Hagar and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau and Rachel. And if, like Ferris Bueller, you've thought that your family was the only one that had any weirdness in it, uh, let me introduce you to this family. Next week, this story of this family comes to a gripping conclusion, but today we get to witness the beginning of the end. Chapter 37 begins, Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, 
the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. We already know a lot about this family. We've observed their habits, their, their patterns that get passed on from generation to generation. We saw that Abraham and Sarah loved Isaac and favored him above Ishmael. And so they send away Ishmael and Hagar to their certain death had God not intervened. And 4,000 years later, the wound of that relationship is still not healed. The descendants of Isaac and Ishmael have never fully reconciled. And Isaac and Rebekah repeats this pattern, this, this pattern of favoritism as they favor a different child. And while Jacob and Esau eventually reconcile in their own life, Jacob cannot break this pattern in his own family. Jacob loves Joseph more than his other children. He gives him a special robe so that everyone would know this one is my favorite. Every family has patterns, ways of relating to each other that if left to themselves will inevitably repeat. These patterns can be for both good and bad. Jacob's family is one of deep favoritism. Your family has patterns as well. Could be favoritism, addiction, abuse, mental illness, triangulation, emotional outbursts, indulgence, strictness, could be something else. But whatever your patterns are, unless you do the hard work of recognizing them and breaking the cycle, you will simply transmit what was given to you. See, pain that is not transformed is transmitted. Trauma that is not metabolized is metastasized. And Joseph receives this special treatment from his father. And you might think that it's better to be the favored one, but it's never that simple. When it comes to unhealthy patterns, no one wins and everyone loses. So told that he is his father's favorite, given this robe to set him apart from his older brothers, Joseph has dreams. He dreams that he and his brothers are gathering grain and their sheaves bow down to him. And why wouldn't he dream that? His father has all but said the same. But speaking his dream aloud only deepens his brother's hatred of him. And even Jacob, upon hearing the, the second dream, isn't sure what to do with it. His ego isn't ready to bow down to anyone either, certainly not his son. The whole affair is just dripping with dysfunction. And what I can't get out of my head is how misplaced the brothers' hatred is. They hate Joseph when they should really be angry with their father. He's the one who's been partial in his love. 
It's his favoritism that is the problem. But they don't hate their father. <laughs> They're busy competing with each other, thinking if we can just get rid of this favorite one, maybe dad will give some love and attention to me. It's a fool's errand. How many families repeat this same pattern generation after generation? Every generation has dreamers, and dreamers are a threat to power. Because to dream is to have a different way, it's to imagine a different way of being. It's to entertain that what is, is not what needs to be, what should be. Dreamers are people of hope, and they hope for a better future inspired by dreams that imagine a different pattern to life than the one they've been given. So how do we free ourselves from the dysfunctional relationship patterns that we have inherited? Well, it begins by dreaming of something better. And Joseph dreams of a world where power is redistributed to him. And it appears self-aggrandizing, but there's something more going on here. We saw a few weeks ago in the story of Jacob stealing Esau's birthright and his blessing, that rearranging power dynamics within a family is a threat to the very social fabric of the ancient world. And so like father, like son, Joseph dreams of a different world than the one that he is given. And just like his father, Joseph's brothers don't appreciate his dreams. And so when they see him approaching, they say, here comes this dreamer, come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits and we shall see what becomes of his dreams. These verses from Genesis 37 are written on a plaque outside the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, Tennessee, commemorating the place where Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was killed on April 4th, 1968. He was a dreamer who was betrayed by his brothers, who hoped that his dream would die with him. And five years before he was murdered, King delivered his most famous speech in which he said, even though we face difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. And over the next five years, Dr. King lived deeper and deeper into the implications of this dream. And he knew then what so many of us still refuse to acknowledge, which is for this dream to become a reality. It is not merely attitudes that must be changed. Power must be redistributed. National priorities must be reconsidered if the dream is to be more than mere talk. We still have so much work to do. 52 years after 
his murder. We, the brothers and sisters of Dr. King, are once more being given the opportunity to change the pattern that we have been given. Now, none of us created this pattern. We didn't make it the way it is, but we can do something about it. We can break the cycle if we are willing to metabolize instead of metastasize the trauma. There are patterns in our personal families and in our national family, and both need addressing. The family pattern of favoritism must be finally admitted and repaired because favoritism only leads to suffering, even for the one who's favored. It's time to acknowledge that our brothers and sisters have been thrown into a pit while others of us sit and eat our lunch. They've been bought and sold as chattel. And if we are to ever sit down at the table of brotherhood, if we are ever to be the beloved community, we must acknowledge this pattern of favoritism and make amends and seek a better way. What Joseph's brothers didn't know at the time, but would eventually discover, is that Joseph's dreams were not mere expressions of his ego. He wasn't being uppity. Despite how it appeared on the surface, his dreams were not a threat to them. In fact, his dreams would save them. Why? Because Joseph's dreams were from God. And God's dreams cannot be killed or sold or set aside. God's dreams disrupt the way that things are, but within that disruption lies our very salvation. As with Joseph's brothers, our hatred has been misplaced. We've been taught to hate and mistrust because of differences of race or politics or religion, orientation, class, you name it. And we've been taught that we are in competition with each other for the affection of a God who only loves some. But in fact, the God and maker of us all shows no partiality. See, God is not simply a bigger version of our own families with all the same dysfunctional patterns. No, there is always enough at God's table. There is enough and some to spare. That is our faith. We may not see how, but with God, there is always enough. As Dr. King taught us, with this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing 
that we will be free one day. See, that wasn't just Dr. King's dream. That's God's dream as well. And if we were to hold fast to God's dream, then our broken winged bird can finally fly. Amen.